You are entering the Take Up, a place to gather when the film is over. I'm your host, Joshua Ray, and today we are talking about QFest St. Louis, the 2023 edition. I have a special guest that is Chris Clark, the Artistic Director of Cinema St. Louis. QFest St. Louis is running May 4th through May 10th, and you can get tickets and information at cinemastlouis.org. Chris Clark, you're here. I know. This is exciting. Well, yeah. doing this podcast for a little bit, and I've been wanting Chris Clark on. I, I feel yeah. privileged now that I'm finally here, but you know, it's time. And there were not, not reasons, but you know, people smarter than me were invited. Well, here, here's people. the thing. It's yeah. time to talk about your baby. Yes. What's um, your baby? QFest St. Louis, our LGBTQ plus film festival. Um, has turned 16 this year, so old enough to dr- oh. drive, but not quite sure what to do with the wheels just yet. But this has been a passion project for a long time. Um, you know, it, it's brief but beautiful history. Is it wasn't always a Cinema St. Louis event. Uh, a group of community organizers from all stripes and shapes and sizes and colors um, had talked to each other and wanted to put on a film festival, but didn't really know quite how. And approached me and said, would I help them and be a partner in this endeavor? Uh, so it was a consortium uh, of sorts, not really a fully a 501c3 of its own or really fully, you know, one thing. But we had this agreement on paper. There was a consortium of, of these different groups and people, uh, mostly volunteer people. And the, it was a rough start. And out of frustration, I said, well, this, you know, is not after months of planning and all these things, it was just painful. And I'm like, well, you know, I, this is what I do. And we just cannot do this without money and this is just impossible we can't do this you know for after all this time we don't have enough money we it just isn't gonna work and a committee member said excuse me how much do you need i said uh probably at least two thousand dollars so this quiet unassuming woman who i knew really nothing about whipped out a checkbook and said okay here and that was the dawn of q fest and it was very on a very very tiny you know, $2,300 then because we had that money and the $300 we raised and that we made it work. And that was 14 of the 16 years ago. Uh, and here we are. So it's been in a, a whole bunch of locations over time and has just, um, you know, it's not a huge um, money earner for us, but it's, you know, uh, it's well-funded because I have nice friends who are generous and, and underwrite big chunks of it. Um, so we make it work. Uh, and I think it's an important community offering. Uh, not just for the community it represents, but for the everybody else to see, you know, what it's like uh, to live these lives. And mm-hmm. you know, for right or for wrong, I choose to gravitate towards films that are more heavily empowering and positive messages as opposed to films that end with death or suicide or maiming. And not that these, not to denigrate the importance of all stories, um, but we have a small, smallish slate and I look for, you know, they could be dramas too. It's not all comedy and lighthearted and musicals and stuff too, but I look for films that uplift at least on some level. Um, even if everybody dies, you know, did, there was their positive motion. I think, you know, I hope I'm expressing it right. Uh, did, there are several films I can think of where yes. everyone dies and I've walked out. <laughs> but this edition has something very special that you've never had before. Yeah. And that's a permanent home. Yes. So <clears throat> over the, Previous 15 years, this event has been in a number of locations, maybe as many as seven or eight. Two of those 
are the High Point Theater um, a long time ago. And more recently than that, but still a while ago, um, we had two years in a row at the High Point Backlot, which is much, much smaller. Well, lo and behold, flash forward to 2023, and Cinema St. Louis is now the owners. Want to see my keys? You got the keys to the crib. Keys to both theaters, projection booths. We, we own these joints. Um, so we're going to, this will be our first cinema. We've done lots of screenings and, and mm-hmm. events and, and little things and Oscar parties and things. But this is our first annual Cinema St. Louis event that we're going to produce in our new forever home, uh, the High Point Theater, located at 1005 McCausland at the Great Crossroads overlooking Highway 40 in Forest Park. I could look out the front door and enjoy the view every day. But, but we've all had to be here many, many nights uh, making mm-hmm. soda, mopping the floor. Doing um, things. Put soda jerk on my resume now. Very um, good. My partner claims, well, half of that's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but it's been a, a great experience. And I've you know, learned to love and explore every dusty corner uh, of, of the place. And um, actually, that's not really true because it's, it's pretty clean. So we got this turnkey operation that you know when a nonprofit buys a hundred year old building you automatically think of a little rascals kind of scenario where you know we're patching holes in the wall with gum and, and just gathering up change just to fix one hole in the roof and you know the boiler's gonna break at any minute this was in pristine racehorse condition uh, these two theaters and we've had some great screenings so far and I'm really looking forward to having Q fest here um, you know, back this to this is always so great because in any screening, you know, sometimes things don't turn out how we would want and it's very sparsely populated, but no matter what, any screening you're in at Q-Fest, especially for a queer person like myself, it, it feels very much like home and you feel so connected to the audience, which is exactly what you want whenever you're yeah. seeing any and, film. You know, let, let's, ex- thanks for tipping that teeing that off um let's expand on a little bit you know this will be you know it's a safe home of cinema but <clears throat> when we are in other venues you have to traipse through the mall or traipse through the loop but this is going to be completely and exclusively uh q fest yeah um, in the main theater uh, it's you know beautiful new space and we can take our time you know me not working so very hard every last second uh and the user i want the attendee they want them to have a great experience and, and talk about it and come back well, let's get into the the meat of things. Let's talk about that experience and break it down. What we're going to do is just sort of go through the schedule. We'll give folks an idea of what it's going to be like as we walk through day by day. But I, I've already said it starts May 4th, but you've got a sort of precursor event happening. Tell us about the event you're having with MTech. Yes. Um, on... Uh, the day before on May 3rd, Wednesday, uh, we have uh, we're a community partner, uh, Metro Trans Umbrella Group with the colorful pink and blue umbrella with the little swoop on the bottom from seeing their logo. Um, what a great, uh, they're about 10-ish years old now. Is that right? So. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe a little further in double digits, but a fairly young uh, nonprofit that had a very, you know, tiny start, but they have a now a permanent space and they, you know, do lots of advocacy and lots of um, work and donation of goods and items for people. Savings, saving people's lives. You know? Yeah, they really yeah. do the good work of a non, you know, I work for a nonprofit, but I don't, you know, maybe I uplift people's lives by showing the art of the cinema, but I don't truly give them clothes or food 
Um, I nurse them in some ways, but you know, yeah, you're 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 slacking, Chris, is what you're saying. <laughs> you know, it's groups like this that I really, you know, feel humbled about, you know, the actions that they do for that really, really serve people's base, base needs. You know, I'm an entertainer. I mean, that's important, but not, you know, some of the things they do. Anyway, that was a tangent. And what's what's they're the doing, documentary that you're doing? We're doing a fundraiser uh, called A Run for More, uh, a political uh, tale uh, about a trans politician running for office. And uh, it's also playing with a uh, trans-themed short subject. And the director of the short uh, will be coming. But this is a fundraiser for them, uh, for MTUG. So we, it was nice for us to be able to offer our space to them and a shared experience. Connor O'Keefe is the director of the short No More Longing. Uh, that'll be attending the festival. So it'll be a nice, you know, fun kickoff uh, event of sorts. Uh, with a partner. We've partnered with MTUG on previous key fests before. Uh, on other films. In fact, a, a film that they have helped co-produce. Trans Geek. Trans Geek. That's right. That's Trans mm-hmm. Geek. So they approached us uh, with this a couple of months and, you know, we're just looking for space to do it and could we help them? And I thought that was a nice, uh, you know, part of our mission is to, you know, share our toys in our sandbox with the other kids um, when we can. We'll do this. So this will be a nice, a nice event. And it couldn't be better timing <laughs> to show this particular documentary about that particular story than you yeah, know, it's an, you our know, elected officials getting silenced because they are trans. You know, I, part of my brain doesn't want to believe that it you know, keeps happening all around me. And yeah, yeah. this state can be very backwards and very conservative in the wrong directions and worry yeah. wrong things. There's lots of other things to worry about, me thinks. But they get on these things that they think they can win. They think it's a winnable battle because it's easy to pick on the trans kids and the queer kids. They think it's easy to get attention. And that's what it comes down to, attention and and political grabs and an easy target. So, you know, pick on the weakest link of that. Um, Yeah. So, you know, the medical conditions, um, I think they're still trying to figure that out, you know, overnight tonight, the day we're talking and then. Tomorrow, the day after we're talking, they're supposed to, you know, vote again or something like But, you know, have a trans partner, um, you know, is there going to be danger getting her health care at all? Um, and then it went further than that. It affected people who had other types of hormone treatments that weren't trans or queer that had, you know, needed for other medical things. So they had to rethink that quickly. Um, but how are you going to, re- you know, rewrite history again? But, they, you know, the gloves are off. Yeah. So we do and these. That's what the groups like M. Tucker. Yeah, that's what they're finally important. That's why we look for this empowering story. You know, of course, this politician struggles, uh, just like you know, differently than the recent. What state was it in where the um, Montana? Yeah, was kind of severely punished for having a differing viewpoint. Well, America is changing, and you know, is it is it going to be a scary place for people like us, Josh? I don't know. That's the thing that I love about QFAS is that queer spaces seem to be disappearing. And I mean, not to make the whole thing about what we're talking about and about the thing that we're trying to promote, but it is true to have like a, a queer space is so important right now. And to invite others in uh, to share our stories. I mean, we could go on and on about that in particular and why that's just monumental right now and probably as we continue but well you're right chris but we we soldier on and i think this is a really great platform to talk about 
our stories are similar stories, but also the different experience of queer people around the world and all the colors of the rainbow that we are. Letters, shape sizes, ages, yeah. you know, races, pick a you know category, you know, it's impossible to touch everybody's lives and story, but we try to embrace as much as we can with under the caveat that we want, you know, the best possible stories and, and the, the freshest, sharpest queer filmmakers. Well, um, uh, speaking of colors of the rainbow, how about we get into the the program proper and the first thing. See what we did there? We did the color segue. Oh, Look, listeners, they love it. They love my segues. The Blue Caftan, though. This, this is a Moroccan film, narrative feature by Mariam Tazani. Um, <laughs> this movie is like so kind of quiet and tender, but it's also just rushing with this incredible emotion. And it's it's coming out story. It's about a couple who own uh, like Medina and they... Their business is doing well, but they hire a young man to come in and help. And the male half of the business owner uh, partnership uh, kind of likes the young guy. Unexpectedly. I think he yeah. was surprised to find that within himself um, in this very, very particular part of the world that, you know, the, uh, you know, shies away from any type of homosexual or different, you know, not the other world, the rest of the world doesn't shudder too, but, but what this film is, it also, you know, another love letter to my new forever home. I am sworn to the art of cinema and the support of art house cinema. The blue caftan checks every single box that I have for something that I would lovingly present on this screen, whether it was in QFest or not. It is clearly within the realm of art house cinema. Uh, it's a beautiful story from another world uh, that we like to share uh, with our audience and viewers. And the lusciousness of the sound and the, the fabrics and the, um, you know, they're in this tiny shop, but they open the door, then this busy street, you know, filled with the buzz of life and you know, everything buzzing and carts and dogs and motorcycles and noise and people. And, you know, you can almost smell the smells and it's, it's just so visceral. That it's a very definition of the thing that I want to see 40 feet tall uh, on the screen. And it just the colors and the senses will just kind of wash over you. The only thing missing in the theater is we just won't have food. Um, you know, <laughs> rocking food. And not that food. Oh yeah, goodness. but it would be it's messy. Like, I don't want people eating with their fingers. And, and it's, it's a and story about anymore. desire. But all I desire is the food in the story. Yeah. Okay. Desire, but you know, the um, just you know the sensuousness of the craft mm -hmm. of, of making the garments and just the touches of the satin and the you know the lost art. You know, it, it, people can order something on Amazon, they think, and they're going to get the same thing. So this art is dying. So it, it's you know very very many layers to this story. Uh, understanding between the couple um coming aware the uh, the owner of the shop coming aware of himself and his own body and his desires and you know perspectives yeah. of his wife you know it's just really beautiful beautiful tale and then uh the next day which is friday may 5th uh and and we should remind everyone cinema st louis or you can get tickets and information there um yes. but we have limoncita which is an italian film uh, by Emmanuel Criales, Criales, sorry, 
Um, I do my best here, but who knows? Uh, but I do know the name Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz. Just sitting there Penelope looking Cruz right on her thing. In mom mode. Like she is in mother mode lately. Two films ago was Parallel Mothers, The Amoldabar, which mm-hmm. I loved. And you can go back past episodes and go to the archive of thetakeup.com and read. Um, I think I wrote about it three times somehow. That was um, a beautiful segue to past archives. I'm, you know. I love how you just. I if there's one thing I'm going to do is self promote. It's but uh, Penelope Cruz is in mother mode here. She is a Spanish emigre to uh, Italy. Has married into a very wealthy family, um, but the story really focuses on her children and one child in particular. And it's a trans boy named Clara. The film is all about the journey of self discovery, but also the journey of self-discovery and how that affects the people around you. And, and in this case, coming out as a trans man and very young in particular, there's a lot of conflict in that. This isn't a story about a great supportive woman. She certainly could be a monster. The character isn't that, but she is a human. And the struggle between these two particular people, but also the entire family circle and their extended family is really fascinating. And it's also a gorgeous movie too. It has these little flights of fancy where there are musical numbers in it. You're you're missing something that's key to this discussion. It sounds like a contemporary tale, but it is not. It's actually set in the early 70s. Yes. So it's the period piece as well, which really puts it, you, you would think that Pelby Cruz is, you know, a Spanish emigre would be a modern tale happening now when, you know, trans kids are more empowered to come out. Well, this, this is 50 years ago. This was, you didn't happen in a very Catholic devout country it is this was a, a whole different dynamic altogether, which really adds a bunch of layers to the story. I think uh, it makes it even more gorgeous. All the, you know, the period, you know, music and clothes and styles and everything too, but it was a whole different, you know, the world was a different place. No, you're right. And, and, and that culture and society informed so much of the story too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and their affluence. But I, I'm I'm excited for people to see it and for people to see it on the big screen because it does have this like fresh original take with all these flights fancy in it. So it's a lot of fun, but it's also um, filled with all kinds of feeling. And then Saturday, let's go to Saturday. It's the first Saturday. of the queer shorts program. Yes, and <clears throat> we started a mission a couple of years ago, and we're kind of trying to pull the best we can to to give back when we can and. Everybody isn't able to um, always afford a whole bunch of festival tickets all in a row. Um, so we try to make a couple of programs free. And the thing that seemed to make the most sense to us this year, we're having two queer shorts programs. And there are a total, I think, of 16 uh, shorts between the two programs. And um, we wanted them to be free. Uh, so people of all ages and ranges of income and everybody, you know, anybody who wanted to come and see uh, and this is an opportunity not to see one film, but either six or in one case, um, 10 films uh, in the second program. So you can see a wide range of, of queer filmmakers from all over the world in these empowering tales. What I really, and I didn't plan it this way in advance, but these were the best, you know, what happened organically uh, was Queer Shirts program is all about and starring youth. So, I, you know, I can't be struggle to say that it's truly family friendly because I wouldn't want somebody to 
you know, and there's nothing offensive in any way or sexual really in any way, but there's some adultish situation. So I'd say adolescents are above, you know, particularly adolescents with a, with a parent, but, you know, teens, anyone, uh, you know, the youngest subject is, I think is a nine-year-old boy from um, Afghanistan. That tale's a little tough, but, you know, he, he doesn't. Um, he, in the end, he sticks to his, sticks to his own identity. Uh, and these are about, you know, these youths questioning, not questioning their own identity, finding their own identity, finding their voice uh, in these stories. Uh, so one of the directors will be joining us, uh, the director of What If I and What If I Am. I think this is the world premiere uh, of the film. So Brian Powers will be joining us. And, and then the, the second shorts program is the same time the next day. So both weekend days, you've got the free shorts yes. programs. 1 p.m. on Saturday, the 6th and 1 p.m. on Sunday, the 7th. And there are a couple guests coming from, for the show on Sunday, uh, one of which is from Columbia, Missouri. They work for uh, Ragtag Theater in uh, True False, Leanne Lowry. And then uh, Moon Abbott is coming with Rebound from Chicago. Very cool. Yeah. Well, next, tell me about Charles Bush. People remember Die, Mommy, Die. Like that? I, I do. I mean, right. I, I do too. <laughs> It, you know, it, it's ultra high camp. Uh, you know, he, he writes, produces stars, a lot of his own stuff. Uh, he is that kind of Joan Crawford-ish kind of character that he inhabits uh, as his main, as his main drag character. But, you know, they're always very funny and elaborate. Uh, Die, Mommy, Die, I think is just hilarious, as is Psycho Beach Party. Um, Die, Mommy, Die hit me at the right time. I think it came out when I was like 15 or 16 and just really immersing myself in cinema. So for it to be so like reverent for old yeah. cinema and, and old Hollywood and the psycho bitty genre, great. Perfect. Yeah. So, but the sixth <laughs> reel is the film that you're showing. And that's also very much about the movies too. A, a, a missing piece of film allegedly is found in a dead friend's apartment and uh, a bunch of nefarious, wealthy, wacky characters, including uh, Margaret Cho, uh, show up to try to uh, get their hands on this missing film. Everyone thinks there's money involved and, you know, it is it or isn't salacious material. Uh, so it's just wacky silliness with bad mustaches and high drag. But, you know, it's Charles Bush, <laughs> Charles Bush. And having a bunch of fun. This is, is like his insider screwball comedy. Yeah. Is it high art? Hell no, it isn't. No. I am not a high art person all the time. I think I want to do, I'm going to hug all sides. The art house, which I mentioned earlier, is very important to me. But also, I am an entertainer. I am a you know game show host. I'm a huckster. I want people to come in there and laugh at this stupid, silly film. And they may not remember it forever. And it's not, like I said, high art, or it's not going to you know, change the world anyway. But it's fun. And it's about the movies. And it stars Charles Bush and Margaret Cho. And it's, it'll make you laugh. And it's a good afternoon show. So, yeah, that's a yeah, like, rocket science. Nothing deep there. I just want people to have a good time. As, a, um, as programmers, we know that's a good thing that you did there, doing an afternoon program with that particular movie. Because... Uh -huh. That is the kind of movie where you want to come outside and the sun is still shining and you want to sure. just go have fun and have a few drinks. Yeah, go have a drink. Like, yeah. Bunch of drinks. Now, um, high arts. Uh, uh, Kokomo City. Kokomo City is gorgeous. 
you know, that's difficult to transition to because one of the subjects of the film was recently murdered. Um, that's Coco de Dahl. And this film is about Black sex workers, Black trans sex workers um, in several large cities in the United States. And it's hard for that to not sort of shade the way the film unfurls um, because of all of the stories that are told throughout. But by all accounts, Coco was just like such a light. And you get that in this film. Yep. And the film is, it's made in black and white, in digital black and white. And it has these just gorgeous textures to it. And it's largely like, a, a film of, of talking heads. This is a talking head documentary. But when I say that, people usually, usually use that in a pejorative sense. I don't mean that at all here. This film is very loose, very freewheeling, and really gets you inside these lives via the people themselves. And that's why it's, you know, it's fucking tragedy, the genocide that's being perpetuated by everyone right now so it, and the people it's literally think they're the to... lowest of the low of the low and give right. them no... yeah so do you you know something this about... is such a fresh take and it's and the subjects themselves are so full of life um i think it's it's one of the more important works of not just this festival I'm not just saying this because it's q fest uh, of the year because of its timeliness but also because of the humanity in it and its aesthetic values were just really incredible too. Although for all those reasons, it'll be one of the lesser seen things because people be turned off by the subject for the wrong reasons. I just, yeah, mm-hmm. I know this film will be a hard sell to get a large number of people there, but I don't care. And I'll say right. that publicly. I don't care if ten people are there. If those ten people are there are going to be moved to tears and, and, and you know empowered with joy about these larger than life full of love characters, despite all the you know horrible things that get thrown on them, they live and they, they seek life and they find life, you know, like a plant looking for light through the window. They, they find it and they embrace it and take every little bit of juice that they can. It was very intimate. Ultimately, you know very sad too. Yeah. You know what is not very intimate? The Doom Generation. All right, so cute classic for the year. And this is important because this is a new 4K restoration of a sort of director's cut. So it's Gregoraki, and we've talked about Gregoraki on the podcast before. We covered his film, his debut, The Living End. And this is, it's interesting because the Q Classic last year was Todd Haynes' Poison. And Gregoraki was a part of that group, a part of the barbed yes. wire Kisses, New Queer Cinema, which we saluted last year. But this is an evolution of that. This is his third film. And it stars some up-and-coming stars like Rose McGowan, who next the next year would be in Scream. I've never seen this film properly, I feel. I've always seen it panned and scanned. And like shitty prints. So this is why this is incredibly <laughs> special it's touring the states and um it's really cool that you got it for this occasion for all the reasons that you said um mcgowan is you know really what an interesting path 
Um, she has had two, but it was, it was Iraqi that kind of drew us to this. And the, now that I have this new space, you know, I think more about things when they have 4K restorations. Well, of course it's going to look better. His films are so transgressive, but also on the pulse of what was really happening in the underground. He would eventually find himself in a more quote unquote culturally elevated position, but he was still doing things like Mysterious Skin, which is a, a hyper transgressive film, and but also a truly beautiful film too. And even had like a, his stars show, but he's always done queer art, even if it's not explicitly queer subject matter, something like White Bird and a Blizzard. It, the framework is always underground punk queer in what what he's you know he, he's like a, you know, a queer robert altman of sorts where he sticks way only to his own band and beat um he doesn't go too far into the he doesn't want to go far in the hollywood system he wants to make the stories he wants to make so mm -hmm. he's really you know really puts the the indie an indie filmmaker uh very strongly um, uh, mysterious skin yeah i have some weird memories of that i it was so overwhelming for my partner that she passed out in the lobby of the theater. Uh, I get it. Being overwhelmed, yeah. and but it's... you know, but what what these films are not—they're not the the new higher profile kind of crossover-ish queer films like Bros and Fire Island and things like that. But they're super slick and they're meant to be dessert. You know, they're not super heavy. You know, he really tries to make just really complicated, deep, deep, rich uh, stories and complex characters. Not and they're punk as fuck, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is a very yeah. violent yeah. film um, in many senses, in, in, in the amount of gore you see, but also um, just the filmmaking itself feels very rebellious and violent. Mm-hmm. It's like a 90s punk uh, Jules and Jim. And that's why we're showing a British lesbian vampire short before it called Forever. Uh, the filmmaker originally couldn't find his short in the program. He was looking in the queer shorts programs and I pointed out where it really was. He said, oh, I was shown before Greg Araki. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is something to be excited about. Oh, the... Uh, Jimmy and Saigon, you had mentioned earlier that we've got the filmmaker of that here. You, you know, we're talking about Kokomo City and sort of its its non-traditional format. Jimmy and Saigon does have a traditional doc structure and format, but the, it it's so compelling. The mystery at the heart of it all, when the mystery is so personal to the, the filmmaker, is really the subject of it and his search to figure out what happened to his brother that he never really knew. And, and this idea that he might have been queer, that he died, um, you know, in Vietnam during the war and the story around his death and sort of the, the mystery about it and the great lengths he goes to, to figure it out. I mean, dude goes to Saigon. <laughs> and talks to his ex-girlfriend, you know, it's, it's really wild. Yeah, nearly, you know, 45, 48 years later. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's not a clean paper trail uh, to exist, but it's not, 
just somebody, you know, running over there with the camera and it's very artfully put together, provocative, thoughtful, pensive. Uh, there are a lot of good, good, good words we could use to describe this uh, <laughs> very moving film. Again, a hard sell, I think, uh, to our general audiences, but, but the people that go will be, will be rewarded. And I hope that people will. Uh, it's uh, a remarkable tale. You, you, you know, doesn't matter ultimately how many people are there. You know, of course, we're going to make money with everything, but hmm. we want to move whoever shows up. You know, we want these the best possible films, and they'll have comfort and real butter in our popcorn. Uh, cool. and, you know, great film experience, but seeing on this beautiful screen with great sound, this is the best possible position we can be. I love it. Well, something a little bit more high profile closes out Sunday night. That's Monica. Yeah. Starring Trace Lizette from Transparent, Patty Clarkson. I just get to call her Patty Clarkson, I guess. Patricia Clarkson from Many Great Things, Far From Heaven, A High Art, um, Sharp Objects. I mean, come on, Patricia Clarkson. I'll be honest, I haven't seen Monica yet. I'm so excited to see Monica, but this was like, sometimes it happens where we're not going to see the thing before the thing because it is so kind of high profile that we can't get to it first. Um, but it was something that I think we were both like, and we should mention Kate Lore. Kate's not with us. Yes. She's the, the co-programmer as well. She just couldn't be here today. But I think you said something about Monica and we were all like. Yeah, Kate's the Peggy Lipton of our queer mod squad. <laughs> I don't know who that um, makes me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or me. Uh, um, no, but this is... Um, uh, it's not often that we have two profoundly trans-themed films in any given Q-Fest. And this is the second of two, Kokomo City being the other. You know, some of the shorts, but, uh, but this feature, the, um, it, and it hits a lot of buttons uh, on a lot of people. So the, the lead character has been gone from the family that was uncomfortable about their brother becoming their sister and so monica's been out of their lives for a long time um, but the mother has health issues and, and alzheimer's and dementia and sinking and they need help so she's lured back to this world that she assumes just hates her or doesn't remember her and going back to do the good deed requires a lot of you know sucking up and, and hiding patience. patience and and the mom does does the mom really remember or not and you know that's part of the story is she pretending or is she just really there and but you know the the relationship and the care and the love is still there so just the, these two great great actresses with this wild range of emotions and the quiet parts tell as much as the you know speeches or screaming or yelling or or anything that happens you know, in between, but it's a quiet moment. So just connect connection. This is a beautiful art house film. So again, very much defines, you know, what I want to do in this space across the board, but in QFest to have this profoundly moving, beautiful film um, with, you know, in the right set of circumstances could have many, many acting award nominations for either one, especially Trace Lissette. Um, Trace Lissette is great. It has always been great, but has been, in the past, um, do you remember the title of that film about the history of trans representation and trans performers? Oh. But Trace Lizette 
is uh, is interviewed in that film and herself talks about being relegated to like dead hookers and just like bit parts where she is like capital T trans and this is such a great platform for her because she showed really um and just uh and glimpses in transparent what she can do all right hey, Monday well, night. News, you're about to get a link to the film oh did that literally just happen yes y'all you're getting an inside peek at what it's like to, yeah. to be we, a film critic or we, we get out our cigars which are actually soda straws and we we contact our people and beg them to give us stuff that we want but they like like us. If I can watch Monica. Anyway, yeah. I'm sure Monica's great. I'm going to watch it. No, it is beautiful. Bit. Yeah. So I'm glad. So you'll see everything I was talking about. It's just really a deep, rich, it's an acting film. And the, the quiet moments are so beautiful. And, and, but it's about family and fractured families. And it doesn't, you know, it should emote with an art house crowd or someone who just loves cinema. It doesn't matter, you know, that Monica was transgender necessarily to make this story structure work. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Similar stories before about yeah. fractured families convening for the elderly mother who maybe hated or, you know, there was some tragedy that happened and everyone's away. But it really adds layers to this story because they're connecting as women. But she birthed the son, you know, I'm kind of saying that clumsily, but, you know, there's, there's so many pieces to this story and their connection that make it, you know, really, really moving uh, and just seeing Monica being comfortable in her own skin and going back to this place that get, you know, to triggers uh, PTSD uh, to go back to this place that tortured you so much, you know, uh, would you want to go back to that playground uh, where those boys were? I, I wouldn't have uh, the braver. I am not a brave person. Mm. I would not do that. No, never. You're pretty brave. We were in their shorts to the screen together. That's brave. I have those same shorts on right now. It was sold out, man. I was showing up. Speaking of looking f- and short shorts. Yes. The rugby boys. The rugby In from boys. the side, the, the British rugby film. Um, <clears throat> sure. Is it because there's lots of sporty naked lads running about? Sure. That was a big part of it. But it's a sports film. It's about connection. It's about, you know, lots of things in community and, and shared teams. And that true, not a brand new story. You know, the queer kid on the macho sports team has been, you know, football teams, swim teams, baseball teams, you know, every team there is uh, volleyball, you know, pick one. But <clears throat> pretty look at um, it's it's a nice tale. It almost is like a mini series of sorts, you know, kind of you know, kind of by the numbers of sorts, but again, entertaining uh, the members of the Crusaders, uh, the local gay St. Louis rugby club will be coming uh, to the show just to help celebrate that. Uh, one of our partners on this film is Just John Nightclub. I've known them for a long time. So it's, you know, the right movie for the right set. Yeah. People like this movie a lot. It has been playing at similarly minded festivals um for a little bit now like it's been yeah. doing the yeah. rounds so yeah. it's and, it, and i know it's not, i know it's not your first love um and i get that too i wasn't gonna say that you know it didn't latch on you but that's not the type of cinema that you really it's not who you are oh you know you can appreciate you know what you're looking at it's you like different types of tales but 
for the demographic that's going to enjoy it, they will fucking love it, man. You know, well, they will fucking love it. You know what I fucking love is uh, blue jean. Uh, I turned to my boyfriend and uh, I said, I love this movie. Three seconds in. Because it is, the beginning of it is so sort of indicative of what the rest will be. 16 millimeter film. Mm, I just eat up that grain. And this sort of palette of very soft blues going over these sheets that I'm like, "Mm, whatever this is, you tell me a story. Then what unfolds is not only aesthetically pleasurable it's a tough movie yeah it's a movie another period piece this time set in the 80s um but in thatcher era uk when they were trying to make some laws that were less friendly to our collective (laughs) to to say the least yeah Yeah. and you know and that is really resonating now um because on this side of the pond all these many years later we're facing kind of this same kind of people, even here in Missouri. This is a yeah. Georgia Oakley film, and it played at, at Berlin is when I first heard about it, really. And this promotional image of the lead character dyeing her hair, but her face is fractured in a mirror. I was like, I need to, I need this, whatever this is. Um, but it's been critically lauded. It, it really is about what's going on right now. It's about how. Um, homophobia is a, is like a communicable disease. And if it gives you an advantage to hate on another, how easy it is to get that, um, even when you're gay yourself. And I don't think I'm giving too much away there, no. um, but it's yes, to, very to lovingly told too. The time period um, really resonated with me and, you know, what she was going through. Um, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s, and my great gay awakening was the 80s. When I was 19, I came blazing out of the closet in 1981. I was not even 20 years old yet. So this is my time and era, but I know what it's like to go to the bars or in a seedy part of town. And, you know, it's not, they aren't, you know, open and broadcasted like they were. They were always kind of hidden. It's in the eye of a very quiet hurricane, but it is... um... It is wrenching to be, I love these films that really lock themselves with Mm -hmm. a protagonist who you cannot really reach into. Um, So there's a central mystery of just what this woman, what's going on in her head. And Mm -hmm. you think this film is going to go in one very uh, precarious direction and it really doesn't. But what it does is even more interesting. You know, a history lesson of sorts. Um, you know, different countries all over the world go through the similar things now, but things were very difficult then, here, and especially in the UK. So that's, you know, gives a perspective on, so for the casual, you know, film goer that's not part of our alphabet that comes and see this, film, you know, maybe they weren't making it up. Maybe it was hard. You know, people don't realize what it's like to be under the microscope unless you are an underrepresented or picked on uh, minority or race or something already, you can't really know. And even then it's not the same thing, but the man beats you down and the, the conservative Karen white woman beats you down uh, and the church people beat you down. Uh, and, you know, if anybody that's different, 
You're doing unfortunately. Speaking well, different. Speaking of different. Hey, now you got the segues. Yeah. This is a history lesson of sorts in looking through the history of like queer popular art and queering other entertainment forms. Please baby, please is like it's like a musical without musical numbers. Like it does actually have musical numbers, but it doesn't. I, I, yeah, this movie's indescribable, really. So the plot of it is, it's I think like 1960, 1959, Greenwich Village. You've got beat poets, beatniks on one side, leather clad, leather gang on the other side, and a married couple. They witness a murder. Dun, dun, dun. That leads to questioning of their sexual and gender identities. You didn't think it was going to go there, but it does. That's a very natural progression. Why wouldn't it? Um, but it comes in the form of this very neon lit, like bright brash, technicolor, Frank Ashlyn widescreen cartoon musical starring Andrea Riceborough giving a performance. This she should have been nominated for this one. What the fuck is she doing in this movie? She is wild there was a moment where she's just like sitting on the ground and she has her legs up she's like on her knees and her legs are propped up and she the way she it's the stupidest thing that i'm even bringing it up but the way she rotates her body like she's a doll i was like who is this alien woman but she is so incredible in this movie this is when i i was thinking like like Tex Avery wishes he could draw the faces that she pulls in this, but she's so funny and she's such a smart performer too. And there are other people in here, but I just loved her so much in this movie. In past Q Fest, we've had films that were bodier or more, more sexual in nature, but I would say this is, I guess this is our, our dirtiest uh, film this year, but it's you know more not in your face as much. Uh, you know more you know in in style, uh, in, in style a, and in theme maybe. Theme. But because because it is sort of about sexual liberation. Sure, and it's titillating, if I may use that. Yeah, it it reminds me of like if Frank Tashlin made um, Fassbender's Corral. <laughs> that I think is a great description for what it is but it's a lot of fun and it's also a rumination of gender and sexual politics and uh you've got Demi Moore Cola Scola and uh what's his name Harry Potter boy Harry Melling it was also pretty great in Ballad of Buster Scruggs that's yeah. a good closer too you've got 16 but not forever not so forever. And so I know something else we didn't talk about of the 26 films from nine countries. I think half, more than half of the directors are women or non-binary. What, what countries are we representing? Brazil, Canada, Hungary, Iran, Italy, Morocco, Spain, UK, US. There's just a taste of everything there. 
you've got eight features, two docs, 15 narrative shorts, one doc short. What we're kind of skipping here, other than Jimmy and Saigon tangentially, is there not much Asian representation. But thank goodness for Pete Timmerman of the Western Film Series. So they're having an Asia film festival. All, all, all continents are now represented, I believe. Yeah, Webster Film Series has the Gay Asia series that starts on June 9th and runs throughout the month, in which you are co-sponsoring as well. Yes. And yeah. with MTUG is also there. That's very exciting. And we'll end up talking about that a lot more in the podcast. There's a 35 millimeter print of Pitchapong where Seth Kun's Tropical Malady, which is very exciting to me. You mean a Pitchapong where Sirthakul? Where Sethakun is actually like the L. It's just like the best name to say. Yeah. I feel like you should get a point whenever you say it. <laughs> yeah. Ding. AKA Joe. AKA Joe. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me in May 4th through May 10th, 16th annual QFest St. Louis. Yes. We got tickets, information at cinemastlouis.org. And Chris, you got anything you want to promote other than that? Where do people find you online? Um, I'm the same on all platforms at Chris Clark STL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Very cool. And we'll have to have you back for a pick in some series. Yeah. Love that. So on our next episode, we are going to start our latest program. And that is with our guest Elliot of Movie Files on YouTube, my cohort on uh, KMOV, film critic for Great Day St. Louis. But I want to thank Kayla McCullough for our social media, Jessica Pierce for our editing, our partners at Cinema St. Louis. Hi, Chris. Hi. And music by AMP. And until then, you better get to reading about the new black film canon and see you at QFest. <laughs>